What if my recommendation was that you, as a media producer, as a content creator, as a filmmaker, whatever you want to call it, that I recommend you have more than one format? I just feel really good about this recommendation because I know that people have typically had a war, you know, between sensor sizes. They've people who love micro four thirds say, I'm never going to full frame. And then the people who are full frame enthusiasts, I would never use a micro four thirds camera. But I think a great way to deal with all of this division would be for people to have both. Not necessarily all three formats, so if you have a micro four thirds, you may not need a DX format and a full frame. If you do, maybe that's fine. But the reason I think it would be so healthy for people to have, you know, experience in the other format, the one that they're typically uh, maligning, or, you know, if you get all these people fighting about sensor sizes, well, I think it would be good experience so they could see the viewpoint of the other side and they would say, oh, I see what you're talking about. And then now if you're a micro four thirds only user, um, you don't have all the benefits of full frame. If you're in a full frame only, then you don't have all the benefits of micro four thirds. And there are a ton of benefits that are exclusive to one or the other. I wrote an entire book about this actually. And I'm kind of changing my mentality because if you want to check the book out, it's on Amazon and it's called Will Micro Four Thirds Survive? And if you take take that uh, and look at it from the standpoint of my concept right now, add it to what I'm saying right now, I think it's a good, it's a good idea. But so, uh, Will Micro Four Thirds Survive? And the second part, uh, the subtitle says why I think that small format is still a uh, big win for beginning filmmakers. So that book was written when I was an only micro four thirds person. But I think that my recommendation is now do both. Now, it's also because I've been watching some of the size, uh, the, uh, full-frame cameras come down in price to a point where I can actually recommend it budget-wise. A couple of just, this is going to uh, be obsolete probably by the time you listen to this, but at the time, the Sony A7 version 2 is around $800 used. And that's a good deal because it's always been over $1,000. it has been, you know, it's a great camera. I think it uh, probably retailed around uh, $2,000 to start with for for USD. So if you talk about um, a full frame camera versus a micro four thirds, then you get you get all this arguing going on and and why, you know, it'd be great to not have all that arguing. So my recommendation, I think, is do both. And here's why. And here's how it fits into this whole testing thing. And here's how it hopefully will benefit um, everyone who who buys uh, the lessons that I'm working on creating. And that is, Micro Four Thirds has a lot of benefits, such as if you're using a telephoto lens, uh, like a 300 millimeter, on a Micro Four Thirds, you have a closer crop. So if you're doing some sort of outdoor coverage, um, such as some sports and, you know, just 
coverage outdoors where you're not really close to the subject, then having that 600 millimeter equivalent crop is really effective. And if, if you uh, take a look at the largest full frame lens that's uh, commonly used by professionals, it's a 600 millimeter. And that just indicates that's around the focal length of the crop uh, on a full frame sensor that they feel they need. Now, occasionally there will be some guy who buys a 1000 millimeter or 1200 millimeter or something like that for whatever specific purpose, but 600 millimeter is sort of where lenses top out for full frame. So on a Micro Four Thirds camera, you can buy a very, very inexpensive uh, 70 to 300 uh, full frame lens and used on a Micro Four Thirds sensor, it becomes a crop equivalent of about 600. Now, remember a crop equivalent is not an optical equivalent because the optical properties of a 300 are different than a 600. And I personally think that it's an, it actually is worse uh, optically, at 600, you have a lot of problems because there's so little depth of field and so much compression of the of the field that it looks weird, but also it's very hard to retain focus. So accurate focus is super important if you're using a 600 millimeter on a full frame camera. And so a 300 millimeter, a 70 to 300, um, on a micro four thirds camera, is going to get you an equivalent crop to a 600 on a full frame. And that is so, it's just perfect. I've, I've tested it in, um, uh, for little league sports, such as baseball on a smaller field, and it covered everything I needed. On a larger field, I don't think it would be enough to get everyone on the field from, from anywhere on the field, but it is a good tool for most situations that we um, people who are not a professional sports shooter going all the way across the football field or all the way across the uh, baseball or soccer field, whatever. It is a good focal length, I think, and it does most of what needs to be done for a telephoto lens. So that's an advantage of micro four thirds. But on a full frame camera, it's a 35 millimeter. It's considered still considered wide angle. So the advantage there for full frame is you have, it's, it's more um, of a neutral lens. That is, it's a non-distortive lens that you can use for a medium wide angle. And when I say non-distortive, I mean that, you know, a non-distortive lens, I think it's the optimal focal length is around 42.5, something around there, 41, 42 and they say a 50 millimeter is very close to a lens that does not distort. That means it does not in introduce wide angle distortion and it doesn't introduce telephoto compression. So both of those affect what I call the sense of reality. So if you, you want to remember the scene as your eyes saw it, then a 42.5 millimeter is around the, the most accurate focal length for that purpose. But when you go to micro four, micro four Thirds format and you have to use a really ultra-wide lens to get a moderate wide angle, um, you know, you have to use a 12 millimeter to get around a 24 millimeter crop. It's, it's a little tough to maintain that sense of reality when you've got 
a wide-angle distortion to deal with. And what I mean by wide-angle distortion is that a wide-angle works by... Um, I'm not going to give the scientific way it does this, but what's in the middle of the frame is smaller. And what's on the outside or the edges of the frame is wider. So it's a little strange. And, and you, you can see this occurring if you watch footage of a car driving by to your side. So the car is very small when they're in the center of the frame. And then as they come toward the edge of the frame, they sort of stretch you know, you've probably observed that, and then they zoom by. So it feels like the car is just increasing in speed as it comes closer to the edge of the frame. That is wide-angle distortion. Also, if you notice in a um, non-moving object that the items on the side of the frame are, are bigger than they are in real life, and then the items in the middle of the frame are smaller than they are in real life, that's also because of wide-angle distortion. So unfortunately, that is sort of a, uh, at this time, optically, in, in the design world, it's a requirement because that's how we expand the space. So wide angle is a, um, let's see, full frame has the benefit of better integrity with wide angle. And, and I'm not saying you can't push full frame to be distorted. You can get a super wide for full frame, and then you're, you're ending up looking similar to... Uh, the distortion of a micro four thirds wide angle, but you have the option of using a fairly non-distortive wide angle on full frame. So that's good news for full frame, bad news for micro four thirds. There are pros and cons. I can go back and forth. Um, having a smaller camera, of course, is a benefit uh, that has mostly been on the micro four thirds side, but now here come full frame cameras that have as small as possible of a structure, um, especially the Sony cameras and even the new Sigma. So that's good news. Now how heavy those are, I haven't purchased one. So will that be small enough to fit on the top of a camera cage so I could put that on the top of my bracket and not just on the bottom? So if I'm going to recommend people use both formats, the first thing I would say, based on the current size and weight of full-frame cameras right now, most of the time being bigger than Micro Four Thirds, I would say your full-frame camera should go on the bottom of the bracket. So take a look again at that video or the pictures um, of that on my uh, YouTube channel or even on my website. The homepage has a picture of that two-camera bracket. You've got enough space on the bottom for a full-frame camera. And then on the top, that's where you need the smaller, lighter camera, and especially one that has in-body stabilization. You can still put a full-frame camera on top and on bottom, but now you've got two problems. You've got extra cost because now you've got to buy two full-frame cameras instead of one. And there's where I'm kind of forming a recommendation here. Now, I have always said that the easiest way to get good color, accurate color, and to match cameras is to have two of, the, two of the same camera. And I still believe that. It's something that I... It saves a lot of time in production. So if you can, get two of the same camera. But now I'm starting to look at this idea here of I know some people are going to have one full-frame camera. And they may not have the money to go out and buy a second. But I would recommend in that situation, if you're going to 
have a second or third camera, go buy some Micro Four Thirds cameras, especially the Panasonic GX85 or even the G85. But the GX85 is pretty small. And use those because they have the in-body stabilization on the top of your cage. So one or two more cameras, now you've got a total of two or three cameras on one cage. And I know you're not going to be carrying it around with three cameras necessarily, but with two you can. So now, is this a solution? Take a micro four-thirds camera, put it on top of the cage, put your full-frame camera on the bottom. There's another reason for that currently. That is with the current equipment on the used market that I'm recommending. And that is a lot of these full-frame cameras that are becoming a good deal, like the Canon 6D is around, I've seen them for around $450, believe it or not. That's amazing. And then the Sony a7 II, well, that has in-body stabilization, but um, so it's not going to match this point I'm making here. But a lot of the good deals in full-frame cameras don't have stabilization. In fact, a lot of the good deals in used Canon cameras don't have image stabilization because Canon just introduced uh, sort of their first serious attempt at stabilization on the R5 and the R6. So that means that most of the deals on cameras don't have image stabilization. And my system certainly works better with image stabilization in in-body and on lens because you've got two cameras on one cage and the top one especially needs that stabilization. But if you think about the fact that the camera on the bottom, if you're in your studio shooting YouTube, um, it's all locked down, it's on a heavy-duty tripod, you don't need stabilization in that scenario. So that's where I started to think maybe this is okay to start recommending cameras without image stabilization, not for the camera you mount on the top of the cage, but for the camera that's on the bottom. And then primarily for use in the studio and not so much in the field because I would still recommend people get um, an image stabilized camera for both the top and the bottom cameras. But here's where we get into reality versus what, you know, reality meaning what most people have versus what I'm recommending. I'm recommending two Panasonic GX85s as your kit that you that you walk around with on the road and that you put both those cameras on this uh, smaller version of the cage and because they're both stabilized it does really well but I realize some people are not going to go out and buy two GX85s especially when they love full frame and they don't ever want to leave full frame so I'm going to say buy at least one I would buy two. They're only $300 each used, so for the price of a second full-frame body, you could certainly get two. But if you have a full-frame camera, I recommend, if you're going to add a second or third camera, I recommend trying a Panasonic GX85. That will give you the ability to mount that second camera on top because the in-body stabilization is so good. And then it will introduce you to the Micro Four Thirds world, and then you can have personal experience and, and say, okay, I see the pros, I see the cons, and that, and that will help you to um, speak in a way on YouTube that might help the Micro Four Thirds people feel like, okay, you know, their case is not completely <laughs> completely out of, 
out of uh, reason. And so micro four thirds on top, full frame on bottom, that's the recommendation I'm starting to lean towards. Um, we'll go through the cost and effect on this after I get a chance to test it. Either way, you can adapt almost any lens to a micro four-thirds body. So whether you're going to be using it as a focal reducer that is optically increasing the amount of light. So don't worry, you're going to be able to fit any lens with an adapter onto that micro four-thirds camera. You'll be fine in that area, no matter what system you're coming from. Yeah, even if you're coming from a, a micro, uh, sorry, a M42 screw mount, there is an adapter <laughs> to go to micro four-thirds from pretty much any lens that's ever been created. And so that's the good news. And you'll, you'll have a lot of fun with that. So you can pick up uh, deals on eBay or whatever and to get a few, uh, you know, some good lenses for that micro four-thirds body. So give it a try if you're looking at the $300 price range to add another camera. One thing I will say about the GX85, uh, this is just to end this episode here, a tip, if you do go pick that up, the battery life is bad. It's not, it's not going to last very long. So my workaround is I buy a battery replacement that is a, a fake battery that converts it to an AC adapter. So now you've got um, a way to plug that into a power bank. And then what you're going to need for that is a 5 volt to nine or 8 or 9 volt up converter. And those are available in kits with the battery adapter as well. But take a look, make sure you get the right one. And then also your power bank you have to test it. The power bank needs to be able to stay on. So once you turn it on, sometimes those power banks go, they turn off if they're not sensing that they're being used or something like that. You need a power bank that stays on. And then the last little tidbit is you need to set the, you need to turn the mechanical shutter off. So you need to set the GX85, the Panasonic GX85 to silent mode. And that's important because when you set white balance, if you have the battery adapter, Sometimes it doesn't supply exactly enough power and it, it will shut off the camera. So that's my trick is turn it on to silent mode, which engages the electronic shutter and doesn't allow the mechanical shutter. So, and I'm talking for use for, on, for video use. If you're just doing still camera or still work, then um, that's not really the focus of this, of my podcast, etc. But if you are doing still work, you want the mechanical shutter, just put the battery back in the camera and turn the mechanical shutter back on. But if you're doing video work and you don't need that mechanical shutter, turn it on silent mode and it will take care of that problem with the camera losing power when you do try to set the white balance manually. That's it, everyone. I thought this would be helpful to people who might be only on a micro four thirds format or only on a full frame to kind of think about the idea of having both. I think it would be great uh, just as a learning experience and I think it would create a lot of a lot more unity in the in the camera in the camera world. There's so much uh, fighting between sensor uh, loyalties, and I think it would be great if we just all said, "Hey, let's just try both." So I think that's that's uh, my recommendation as it is. And if I further develop this idea, I'll let you know why I was wrong. So <laughs> thank you all again, and I hope you have a good day.